You're listening to the Family Discipleship Podcast, a podcast of training the church. This is Adam Griffin, and before we get to our topic of the hour, let me first introduce my two lovely co-hosts. First, the maestro of milestones, Miss Cassie Bryant. How are you doing today, Cassie? I'm doing great. I love being a maestro. Maestro. Nothing I've ever aspired to be. Well, I I feel like it's like a conductor of many different things, right? It is. Orchestras. Orchestras. Mm -hmm. Symphonies. Yeah. And the woman who made me a husband, Chelsea Griffin. How are you doing today, Chelsea? Good. Super happy that I made you be my husband. You ma- <laughs> I made you. I meant that to be less like a, sound like a forceful engagement, but more like a rite of passage no, for me. I kind of like the, the imagery of just kind of like capturing you and, you know, kind of for- forcing you into something. <laughs> like setting a snare and then slamming a ring onto my finger? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, today we're talking about milestones. I thought it'd be worth it to talk about for just a second. What Do you guys have a moment where you feel like you realized, oh man, I'm a grown up, or now I know I'm an adult because, you know, fill in the blank. Is something you, you bought, something you faced, something you felt. When did you start feeling like, yeah, I'm definitely a grown up now? Adam, I have these moments every day. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I wake up in denial and then a medical bill comes in the mail. <laughs> or they call because it's come in the mail. And, and has it been aside. paid? <laughs> oh, man. I think the first time I remember, actually, this is really, uh, sorry, mom. Um, I feel like I need to apologize. I got caught shoplifting when I was, I had just turned 18. And so they oh. didn't have to call my parents. And I remember being so relieved that I was considered an adult. But also, in order to pay the fine for it, I had to get a credit card, which Whoa. also was a, an adult milestone situation. Wait, so it wasn't a great milestone. Can you tell us what you what, what oh, you took? Ahead. And was did this happen at Claire's? No, it did not happen at <laughs> okay. Claire's. It happened at Urban Outfitters. Nice. At Mockingbird Station. Yeah, those things are unaffordable. And There's I think my Polaroid, my Polaroid might still be up. They take your picture and put it on a board because you're not supposed That's to awesome. go back. Yeah. It was rough. But I do remember thinking, I'm I'm a grown up now. Because I'm being charged as an adult. I did that. (laughs) Yeah, because they didn't have to call my mom. They did not call my mom. That's the rite of passage we need to be encouraging parents for. Listen, you want your kids to do something where they can be charged as an adult. That way they'll know. They'll know it's time to grow up. It was God's grace. Chelsea, did you have a similar uh, run-in with the law to become an adult? Uh, Well, legally, I got married, and that made me feel like an adult, even though I don't endorse that uh, that mentality that, like, (laughs) if you're single, like, you just haven't arrived yet. That's such a, yeah, such a false narrative Mm -hmm. that gets perpetuated that, like, you have to find your person in order to, like, really grow up or whatever. But being married did make me feel kind of like, whoa, this this is, like, so different, especially because, like, after college, I moved in with college friends. And like we had jobs, we just we didn't go to class anymore, but it still felt like college, you know, because we just hung out all the time and we did all the exact same things. So I think getting married made me feel like an adult. Also, the day when I started my Roth IRA, that felt pretty grown up. And that was that was before I met you, Adam. Oh, I've got to do yeah, that. Yeah, you've got to <laughs> really need to think about retirement. Yeah. If you want to start a Roth IRA for Chelsea, that'd be awesome, Cassie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm hoping the podcast becomes our retirement. Wow. <laughs> is, that an, is that an option? Adam? Don't uh, hold your breath. This is gonna have, yeah. I'm not holding my breath. 
This is it's not that kind of side hustle. This is ministry. Yeah, I think we have like five episodes left, tops. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to do a little more shoplifting if you want to start a Roth IRA. Oh, but speaking, oh, speaking wow. of a life of crime, though, Cassie, when I was a teenager, I got like a curfew ticket or something. So I had to go. I was not an adult. So I had to go to like, I do this community service and I had to go to court and I had to do this like class for like juvenile delinquents where we like processed our problems and like our, our criminal activities or whatever. And the reason I asked if your shoplifting experience was at Claire's Boutique was because every girl in there had tried to steal <laughs> from Claire's because everything's so small. It's all earrings. If if you're a man, you don't know what Claire's is. It's like a tiny little no. earring shop for, for girls. <laughs> a lot of girls got their ears pierced there in like junior high and elementary school. But anyways, all these girls thought like they were so brilliant. Like, these items are so small. I'm just going to take some. And it, it turns out that uh, Claire's has a very prolific uh security situation. And so these girls are just busted, busted every time. They got to protect, protect that those. stuff. Yeah. This cubic zirconium can't just yeah. walk away, you know? So. <laughs> uh, well, getting your ears pierced is kind of a milestone for some yeah. people and uh, probably stealing, stealing a little bit of uh, earrings to go with it is like the pomp and circumstance <laughs> that goes with a wonderful milestone. It's true. I think, I think, I think we're off topic. Oh, I mean, I, I, I feel you, Adam, trying to get us back on top. Always. Trying to bring us back. <laughs> All right. Well, let's recast the vision for this. So season That's two, my bad. if you You've been listening this season. You know that we're kind of doing this, um, talking through the framework for family discipleship, modeling, time, moments, milestones. And we've had a, a couple of incredible guests come and speak about uh, aspects of that. We have a Jordan Rogers talking about processing your past. Ruth Cho Simons talking about family devos. We've had Justin Early on talking about... Uh, uh, habits and taking advantage of moments. And then next week, man, we're going to have John Tyson on. And I'm telling you, this interview, this is one of my, it, it had a profound impact on the Griffin household. Let me just say that. But before we get into what we want to talk about today to kick off the discussion about milestones, Cassie, can you give us kind of a quick summary of the framework? Yeah. Like what is the framework for family discipleship with modeling time, moments, milestones? Yeah, I'd love to. So these are kind of the buckets by which we see family discipleship happening in everyday life and kind of across, you know, your parenting career, if you will. And so the first one is modeling, which is just the idea that uh, you cannot impart what you do not possess. And so you should hopefully, if you love and follow Jesus, have a relationship with him and you are modeling what that looks like for your kids. Uh, the second is intentional time um, that, or it's time, it's just intentional. So you're setting aside time, if it's daily or weekly or monthly, where you are in uh, the Word together as a family and you're worshiping and you're praying. And then we have moments, which is the idea that all throughout our days, we have these moments that are given to us and we can make the most of them for the gospel. We can leverage those and point our kids to uh, who God is, His character, and what is uh, what is true, what His Word says. And so that's moments. And then milestones are these kind of monumental things that happen in the life of your family, the life of your children or your own life that you uh, want to mark uh, and remember so that you can remember God's faithfulness uh, to your family, to your children, to yourself as you kind of look back across your life. That's great. I, I love getting to talk about milestones. It's one of my favorite things when we talk about family discipleship because I love to to imagine and think about and plan adventures and plan big things. But obviously milestones don't always have to be big and positive, And we'll talk about that. But Chelsea, help us understand why milestones are important. Why why should families be thinking about marking and making occasions to commemorate God's work in the life of their family? Why is that an important aspect of what we do to disciple? The best answer to that is because we are a forgetful people. Um, and that is really evident in Scripture, mm-hmm. how often, if you think about in the Old Testament, the people of Israel are always kind of like, yeah, 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 we're down with this covenant. We're down, we're going to, yeah, we're totally 
going to follow you, Lord, we're, we're in, and then quickly turn aside. They get easily distracted. They forget God's mm. faithfulness. It's easy for, for them to forget that they were an enslaved people for hundreds of years and that they were miraculously rescued. So God showed his power. He wasn't asking for a blind faith, right? He shows his power undeniably that he is their rescuer. He is their refuge. And it does not take long at all for them to doubt him. And so I think for our good, when we create reminders um, of God's faithfulness, we don't want to fall out of love with Jesus. We don't want to fall into sin. We we have to stay reminded all the time. And so um, God knows that. And you, that's why I think in the scriptures, it's spoken a lot that way of don't forget, don't forget, don't forget um, what he's done. That's great. That's profound. I love rooting that in scripture is exactly right. We see milestones all over the word of God for the people of God, whether it's rituals that God gave us, whether it was physical things he gave to his people. Cassie, what are some examples of maybe milestones if if people need kind of a rounded out picture of what we're talking about? What would be some examples of family discipleship milestones that we'd want families to consider? You can talk about baptism, first communion uh, for your kids. You can talk about doing a milestone trip when they turn a certain age. You can like have that planned out or it can just, I mean, we've had some milestone trips that weren't nearly as planned, but they just kind of happened and it ended up being a milestone that we look back on. I mean, we've, our, one of our daughters just made her first really good grade on a math test and we've been really working hard on that. And so that's going to be a milestone that's going up yes. on the fridge. We're going to remember not only the hard work that she's put into it, but how God has like sustained her through something really diff- difficult and challenging and has grown her. <clears throat> so, I mean, I think it can be as, as small as like a math test on a fridge and as big as their profession of faith. Yeah, I think those are good examples because there are some that our churches already have. You know, a, a lot of churches have something for marriage, we're going to do a big ceremony. You have something for graduation, you're going to have a ceremony. You have something for uh, baptism, we're going to do that Mm -hmm. publicly. Uh, First communion, some traditions will have that or a confirmation class. Yeah. But there's a lot more. Baby dedications. Yeah, baby dedications. Parent commissioning. Yep. So those are all really great milestones that that we recognize as traditions in a a lot of churches. But I think there's even more that I want families to consider. I love what you brought up with, um, you know, family trips, or I think of uh, leveraging holidays. You know, what is mm-hmm. Christmas? Every Christmas is an opportunity for a family discipleship milestone. Uh, this is their first Christmas. This is your your 15th Christmas, or when your kid gets their driver's license, or when your kid uh, turns 13. Uh, we talked about that with Chandler, about what it looks like in the Chandler household when a kid turns 13. And that they did kind of a rite of passage birthday party. And rite of passage mm-hmm. is intricately connected with milestones. And not every milestone is a rite of passage, but some uh, every rite of passage is a milestone. It's, it's talking about moving from childhood to adulthood or from one thing to another. And there aren't a lot of rite of passages in our culture. There are some in our churches, but not a lot in our culture. Chelsea, when you think about our culture, thinking about manhood, and womanhood and adulthood, how is our cultural view of those things maybe different from what we want for our kids when we consider uh, ushering them into those stages? In some ways, I would say, I mean, I don't even understand how our culture thinks about this separate from the Word of God. I I really am kind of confused, but I mean, some things we see often in our culture right now are that just really prolonged adolescence where responsibility is delayed, independence is delayed. You know, when I taught high school, a lot of kids 
had no eagerness to get their driver's license. And a lot of them just said they were just scared. They just felt like it was a challenge to learn to drive and they were just intimidated by the challenge and they just didn't feel like it. And they said, I don't, I don't mind asking my mom to drive me everywhere. And, you know, we see hints of that still, even in adulthood. I think honestly, our culture thinks, okay, you're a certain age. And so now you can just do whatever seems best to you, whatever you have consent for with other people, that's fine. Um, just like do it, live your truth, that idea of just like whatever seems yeah. good and right to you, just go do it. And you're free to do it because you're, you know, 18 or you're 21 or whatever. So like just do whatever you want. And also we also see a lot of images in our culture in terms of like pop culture, um, TV shows and movies and things like that that often portray men as kind of like bumbling buffoons trying to accomplish anything. And they just don't really know how to, they don't know how to be husbands or fathers. They just you know, just kind of like fumbling through life. And it's supposed to be like comical, I guess. Um, and, and relatable. I think that's why we see that so much because a lot of people will nod along and say, yeah, men are like that. They don't, they don't know how to do anything. And so yeah. when I think about how that's different from what we want, Adam, something I've heard you teach men a lot is when you, when you have a group of men and you say, what, what does it mean to be a man? And they'll say things like have integrity and to be strong and to be brave. And, and you say, well, should women be brave or should, should women be strong? And they're like, yeah, I guess. And, and you just point out to them that the opposite of manhood is not womanhood. It is boyhood. And the scriptures right. would say, when I was a boy, I had childish ways. And as a man, I yeah. put those ways away. And so as, a, as our boys go from boyhood to manhood, I want them to learn to, to serve others. I want them to have the courage to protect others, to um, put themselves last and put others first. And I want to see them have the courage to follow God, even in a culture that doesn't respect that. Um, so those are some of the things I want to see out of them in, in manhood is that they are able to, to confidently seek God and follow him, no matter how scary it is or how challenging it is. That's what I want to see for them for manhood. Hey friends, it's March and that means Easter is right around the corner. In fact, Easter is in March this year. It's part of the reason I'm pumped to tell you about one of our sponsors who's got a really special Easter deal. This is a great time to get some new resources to disciple your family. Our friends over at Lithos Kids are having an Easter basket sale. They got the brand new Little Pilgrims Big Journey complete box set it's now available. Guys, I can't tell you how much I love this resource. If you don't have it, you need to go check it out. Kids and parents have loved reading about Bunyan's beloved tale of Christian and his adventure to follow the king's path to Celestial City. And now you can get all three books in one box set along with a map and it comes with a coloring book and the whole thing is just 60 bucks. You can use the code FAMILY10 to get 10% off your entire order at Lithos Kids right now. So what a great discipleship opportunity. To find all this, go to lithoskids.com, see all the items in their Easter promo, including their new release, The Parables of Jesus, and the Kingdom of God Bible Storybook. Guys, we love Lithos Kids. You're going to love them too. Go check it out today, lithoskids.com, and remember the promo, FAMILY10, to get 10% off your entire order. Sometimes hard things happen. Sometimes they happen to children. When God Makes Scribbles Beautiful is a beautifully illustrated book that helps kids trust that God can take their hard things and use them for good. This picture book imagines that the hard things in a child's life is a scribble following him everywhere. 
Readers will journey through God's promises from the Bible, inspiring hope and faith in God's good and redemptive plan. Hard things don't always go away, but God can turn them into something beautiful. Available at BeautifulScribbles.com. Download a free parent connection guide and printable scripture cards. Amen. I think our culture, it wouldn't be hard for you to understand these opinions. I think I think we guys will all agree with this. I think our culture looks at like really sinful rites of passage as ushering into manhood or womanhood. They look at, oh, when have you been drunk or when's the first time you got drunk? Uh, when did you start drinking? When did you start smoking? Look at when did you first have sex as like ushering into manhood or womanhood? Or maybe there's a uh, biological thing when when women start their cycle, then, then now you're a woman. But either way, I think they kind of uh, summarize into two categories. Typically for men, it's some kind of achievement. When did you first do this or accomplish that? That is uh, the cultural idea of manhood. And for women, I think when they consider themselves a woman, at least as far as the conversations I've had, typically is more relational. It's more when other women have considered me a woman, then I know I'm a woman. It's they look outside themselves to see, am I accepted as a woman now because of this biologically or because of maybe this achievement or something. But I certainly don't want my kids to grow up in a world where the culture teaches them, you're not a man until you've gotten drunk. You're not a man until you've turned mm. 21 or you're not a man until you've had sex. If my sons are single their whole lives, I want them to be a man at a very young age. So this has nothing, like Chelsea said, about to do with marriage, even in the Christian sexual ethic, in order to become a man. And like Chelsea pointed out, I do believe there's something really important to teach our kids as Christian families. It's different than the culture about what is their opposite. In the Garden of Eden, when Eve gets introduced to Adam, Adam doesn't go, finally, someone who's different than me. He says, no, finally, someone who's like me. And so Adam and Eve, their relationship is built around what they have in common and how they are complementary to one another. But what Paul talks about when he talks about, I'm no longer a child, is pointing out what our opposite is. When a man is not able to do manly things, quote unquote, it doesn't uh, make him effeminate. Think to not be manly is to be childish. To not be mm -hmm. manly is to say, if, if a kid outpaces you and what a man should do, then that should be embarrassing. Not if a woman is braver than you. Man, a woman is our counterpart. And the same is true for women. I think when we look at each other, we should be able to see how we are alike and how God made us alike. So in our family, it, Jen Wilkin talked about this last season. I don't want to have one faith talk and one sex talk at some point in their yeah. lives. I want milestones to be built around. We've had a thousand sex talks and a thousand faith talks. And so actually, I just took Oscar, our oldest son just turned 10. I took him on uh, what I called a uh, fourth quarter of boyhood trip. He's um, entering his 10th year, he's double digits. So we went on a milestone trip and some milestones you make. We just decided, you know, at 10 years old, I'm going to take him on this trip, just the two of us. We went hiking, we went horseback riding, and we had long conversations about the Christian sexual ethic, about marriage. We talked about human sexuality, how the culture is going to teach him different. And one of the other things we did that I think actually went way better than I anticipated is I wanted to walk through with him swear words and what words he might have already heard and what he hasn't heard. And I want to establish a relationship where I'm the authority on some things that I don't want his peers to take the place of his parents when it comes to having authority about what we do say and what we don't say. And while some of these words he had heard, he didn't know what any of these words meant. At 10 years mm -hmm. old, he was still fairly innocent. And so I was walking him through what a lot of these words are and why we don't say them. And you guys know in this culture today, there are some words that if you use to describe somebody of a certain race, somebody of a certain disability, there are words that would literally 
literally you could get expelled or you could get, I mean, mm-hmm. you're never going to get elected. You'll never get a job because, but some of these kids will hear these words and not even know what they mean, not know how powerful they are. And so I wanted to walk through with him. Hey, as you enter into manhood, I want you to be aware of these words. You're going to hear these words. These are words we don't ever use for women. These are words we don't yeah. ever use for people of this sexual orientation. These are words that we don't use for people of this race. These are words that you might hear uh, referring to people of, with disabilities. We don't use those words and why. And I felt like coming off that trip, I also gave him something. I, we gave him an heirloom, a um, cross necklace that he wears every day, and he loves it. He clings to it. And it's exactly what I hoped for is a, is a boy who sees his parents investing and caring in him and building that relationship that hopefully lasts a long time, but it was just nothing naturally happened in his life other than turning 10. And we said, let's do something more significant than just doing another family diva with him. Let's make it a milestone. Mm -hmm. Cassie, talk to me a second though. I I think there's a lot of good stuff I'm pointing out. And there's a lot of great stuff that happens in a kid's life or in a family's life. But milestones are not always the best things that have happened to a kid. Yeah. Sometimes a milestone is the harder or the tougher things. Can you talk us through a little bit of that? What are the examples of that? Yeah. Yeah, like you said, they're not all celebratory necessarily. So, I mean, it can be the loss of a family pet. It's something that like, that would mark your, like that would be grief or even, you know, their first funeral. That's something that we just did. My grandfather passed away a few, uh, a few months ago and we took our girls to the service and, you know, we talked about, we just talked about kind of what we were doing, you know, and just kind of yeah. wanted to leverage that as a milestone to talk about death and what a life marked by faithfulness looks like. And so there, I mean, there are a lot of hard things. It can be, I mean, it can be, like I said, challenge, like failing a class or making a huge mistake at school. And and so I think it's taking anything that your kid will likely look back on and remember and wanting to make sure that their memory of that is something they remember you walking with them and they remember you pointing them to truth and like how to think about that difficult thing in light of the gospel, in light of God's word. I know that a, a resource for us that's helped us with some of the harder milestones in our family has been the Every Moment Holy Book. And so that has like liturgies and like things for when, like for grief or when something difficult has happened, like to read through. There's another one, I think it's called Light Their Way, which is a book of prayers for parents. And there's one in there for parents that are going through a divorce and mm-hmm. like how to how to pray for their kids and the prayers to pray with their kids. Um, and so that, that's another, that was for me as a childhood, that's a milestone, right? My parents yes. getting divorced was a milestone. And it was one that even though it was incredibly difficult and definitely like changed the trajectory of my life, um, it was also one that was used to show me that I had a heavenly, I have a perfect heavenly father. And that while things are broken here, God is able to make all things new and redeem all things and work things together for my good. And so those are just, I think, some examples of ones that you're probably not getting cupcakes and throwing a party over, but no. they can be ones that you still take the time to um, cover that memory and saturate it with like gospel truth. That's good. Yeah, if milestones are the highest highs and the lowest lows, then we think about how we point to the faithfulness of God in both. They'll be very memorable for our kid. And I think it may be even more important in the darkest moments to think about how do we spiritually help our kids understand divorce is a great example of something that a lot of kids are facing or the death of a parent Mm. or the death of a loved one. Or think about too, uh, most of our kids are going to experience their first breakup while they're in our household. 
or uh, God forbid, some of our kids will report to us abuse that they've suffered at the hands of somebody else, or God forbid, they are an abuser and they're facing the consequences of really detrimental sin. And so how will we point to God's faithfulness in that? How do we point to God's grace? How do we point to the goodness of consequences and why God is good? And not just in that moment, but think about if you, if you're in a family and the father or the mother has died every year on the anniversary of that, it's still a profound milestone for those kids. How will we commemorate that? The death of a sibling or Chandler talks about in the book we wrote, he talks about scan day that he has to go back every year to get scanned for whether or not dad has cancer and how they go out as a family and they have dinner together on that day. Every day, it's a a milestone to the anniversary of his seizure on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving has a different meaning to him. But really, all holidays, whether it's birthdays or Thanksgiving or Easter or Christmas, are opportunities for us to point back to the faithfulness of God. Chelsea, help us think through, again, scripturally, you're so good at this. Uh, What are examples that you can think of where God gives his people physical reminders of his faithfulness? And can you think of maybe some physical things or places that remind you personally of God's faithfulness? You know, an easy one that a lot of people would point to in the scripture, I think, is when the people of Israel have wandered um, for a long time in the wilderness and they finally go to cross the Jordan River. Um, When they come through, God instructs them to get a stone for each of the tribes and to stack them up. And I like this because it's very, it was very easy to do. Sometimes God commands people to do things that are really ornate and require a lot of skill. In this, he's like, stack up the rock and set them there just so it's a placeholder just don't forget and he says so that when your kids ask you like what are those rocks stacked up for you can tell them about how, how I brought you into this land and so God seems you know keenly aware that we're forgetful people but he gives a lot of reminders like this and for anybody who's on like one of those year-long Bible reading plans you know then you probably just finished Exodus or Leviticus. And um, and so the instructions for making the Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle yeah. and the temple, there's so much imagery there that should, I think, it's, I don't think it says it explicitly, but remind them of the garden that before sin, God dwelt among his people without sin. And so yeah. there's, when he gives them so much instructions for making the tabernacle and everything is so flowery and the almond blossoms and all of that. And, um, you know, the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant, God is just giving them physical reminders. And I think he just knows how much we benefit from that, that like our eyes need to see things and we need reminders. We need reminders all the time that that God seeks to dwell with his people and that we would be holy and he would be holy. And so, you know, even the fact that he gives them the the commandments written down, you know, is really uh, a, yeah. a kind thing. And um, in my life, when I think of, I think more about dates, Adam, you know that I have a good memory for uh, right. for important dates. And so those are big reminders to me of just different things that you and I have been through and that our kids uh, and interesting things that I work at the hospital where all three of our children were born. And each of their birth stories is uh, really different and important to me, but they're all milestones to me and not just to them. And at the same time, like their birthdays are also important to me in terms of their life, but it was also a big deal in my life. You know, the day that I became a mom, uh, our third child, his birth was very memorable to me. Um, It was very different than the other ones and really, really special. And that's also the same hospital where my my nephew was born and I had a nephew that passed away. And um, and so I'm reminded of those things all the time, honestly, while I'm at work. Yeah. Often where when I deliver babies in the same room that Theo was born, I tell people, yeah, my, my last baby was born in this room. And it's never really lost on me, honestly. I remember it all the time uh, with a lot of joy and a lot of like, see, now I'm getting teary-eyed just 
thinking about God's faithfulness <laughs> and his, um, his generosity to me. Yeah. 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 I think to, you know, think about the church collectively, think about how we get to celebrate communion and, and Christ gives us something where he says, we're going to do this over and over again in remembrance of me. We're going to do this ritual. And similar to what you're talking about, Chelsea, like that's why we have birthday parties with our kids to remind them like how much mom loves them. We remind them of their birth stories. I think about too, the way the Griffin family celebrates our anniversary. You've talked about this before that we, we sit down our kids and make them watch a 15 minute wedding video. <laughs> and um, we talk about how sweet it is that mom loves dad and dad loves mom and that God's given us this life together. And that wedding video is not physical, it's digital, but it is something that our kids experience. And one day, if they're ever feeling um, like they won't get squeamish, I can show them videos of their birth. You know, I can show them <laughs> some of the, the the strange things that have happened uh, in those rooms. But I think God gives us so many physical things to remind us. I know that we have like a box of mementos in our house. We have our initials carved in the sidewalk out front. We have family versions of that to remind us like this, this place is ours. But I think too, of physical things to remind us that who our God is. Cassie in the Bright House, have you guys done any milestones you guys have already marked or ones you're looking forward to? Yeah, we've got a few. Um, uh, we have a watercolor, little watercolor painting that a friend of mine uh, painted of our very first house. And it was the house we brought all our girls home to mm. that we actually moved from. And it's just a place, you know, there's a theology of place. Places are like sacred. And so the house is no longer there. It was yeah. bulldozed, which is very sad. It was a very <laughs> no. small house close, like down closer into downtown. And so, but we have this milestone, like even though the home doesn't exist anymore, I'm so glad that we had that like painting because we look at it and we just will like remember, you know, that home. My girls still talk about that house. And, um, and so that is just a place that was sacred to us and it was beautiful and we were really grateful for that, but we're also grateful for how God made a way into our new place. So that's an example. Another one would be, uh, I went into labor with our third with our last daughter, our youngest, the day after Thanksgiving, and we were at the Christmas tree farm. So we go to the same place to get our Christmas tree, and we mm. talk about that, and we talk about how like it was our very first Christmas tree as well. Um, we weren't, I wasn't, we weren't big into Christmas decorations before that, but our kids have been begging us for a tree, and so um, that's a milestone. Every year we put up the tree, and we'll talk about how like you know that it's like in conjunction with our our youngest daughter being born, and the way our ornaments all kind of have memories tied to them as well. Oh yeah, first day of school is a milestone last day of school, we kind of, you know, yeah. we just thank God that we live in a day and age where A, women are being educated mm-hmm. and where education is available to us. And it's and it's a good education and it's one that God's provided to us. Um, and so we thank God for that. So those are those are some examples of milestones. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all just reminded me of two of them. I think uh, one of my favorite family traditions we have in the Griffin household is that when uh, our kids have their Valentine's Day party at school, uh, they get to free dress. They can dress however they want, which normally they wear uniforms. And our kids will dress up in like a vest or a suit and a tie. And they'll bring a briefcase instead of a backpack. And even this year, there was a mom who told me she asked um, our middle son, Gus, she said, why are you wearing a tie? And he said, oh, it's a Griffin thing. It's what Griffins oh, do. And I just I love, love that. that. Just that that picture of like him, him identifying that. Uh, but I, you reminded me too of a place that I know this is weird, but it's kind of special to me. Chelsea, uh, people outside of Texas may not know what a Bucky's is, but you know why Bucky's <laughs> uh, feels special to me. Yeah. Chelsea, why is Bucky's special to the Griffin family? Bucky's is where we stop for gas after a out-of-town wedding 
and throughout the wedding, I kept hinting to you that I thought that maybe I was pregnant, but I was very nervous about it because that was not the timing that we planned. Um, <laughs> and I knew I was about to lose all my natural family planning privileges. Um, and I kept hinting that I thought that maybe I was with child, and uh, but I felt like I couldn't really handle taking a test and looking at the results. And at the same time, you, Adam, y'all, he was like, do you think Bucky sells pregnancy tests? Do you think they have one here? And I was like, well, one, they sell everything. But two, I have one. I have one in my in my pocket because like this is how stressed I've been over this, you know? And uh, so I thought they would have a family restroom where we could go in and I could just take the test but not look at it. But they didn't. So I took the test but didn't look at it and brought it out, gave it to Adam. And it was so crowded. And if y'all, I just realized, yeah, a lot of people probably don't know what Bucky's is. It's just one of those gas stations along like an interstate that's it's enormous. It's enormous and they, they sell a lot of like special items that are only at their gas station. So it's always really crowded. And so it is so crowded in that place. And we have like a one-year-old and a two-year-old or something. And so we have kind of babies on the hip and I just give the test to Adam. I cannot even look at it. And he pulls it out and starts like yelling at the crowd, make way, family of five. We've got a family of five coming through. And then, then I was like, is this a joke? And it was not a joke. But that, yeah, I always think of that anytime I'm at a Bucky. It's about finding out about Theodore and what a sweet blessing he is. I just remember not being able to like wipe the smile off my face and trying to look around and go, what stranger do we want to tell? What stranger gets to be the first one to find out we're having a baby, yeah. you know? And we're just surrounded by all these strangers in this uh, this Mecca gas station. But yeah, I can't go in the a Bucky's without thinking about how sweet the Lord was to give us Theodore. Yeah. And um, one day we'll get Theodore a, a Bucky's t-shirt or something to remind him of how the Lord is faithful. Why to, didn't to y'all name him, him Bucky? I think oh. I'm confused because we <laughs> love him. That's his... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm glad you brought up physical places. I think too about the trip that I got to take to Israel. And I know, Chelsea, we were supposed mm. to go and then COVID canceled our trip to go together. But there's something so special about a pilgrimage, Yeah, about yeah. going on a trip that has a a spiritual meaning behind it. And obviously Israel's a really beautiful one, but I think there's all of us have the opportunity to maybe take our kids where we grew up and tell them the story of our family. I think of getting a tour of Dayton, Tennessee with Chelsea's grandma. I think of bringing Chelsea to the hill that I used to play on when I was a kid in West Bend, Wisconsin. But there are places to me that remind me of like who I was and how our family came to be the way it is. For you, it might be the church you came to know the Lord at. For me, uh, outdoor ministry camps was a big spiritual thing for me growing up. So there are some fire pits in Wisconsin where I remember having specific prayers being answered. And I think too about the place where Chelsea and I got married. I'm a very sentimental guy. So I actually have a lot of places and a lot of objects to which I ascribe some spiritual meaning. Um, but yeah, Chelsea, what are some of your favorite, maybe traditions, adventures, milestones, family discipleship milestones for our family? Like you talked about our wedding anniversary. I love celebrating our kids' birthdays with them. I love the holidays in our house. And I hope that our kids grow up feeling that same way too. But the way we do Thanksgiving, we've talked about on here before, just the we really try to open up our home to people who don't have the most, you know, traditional thing to go do with their family. And so we end up with like our house full of just so many wonderful people that just come together and and give thanks together and feast together. And um, and I just, I love it so much. And I hope our kids do too. Similar to what Cass talked about, it's getting our house ready for Christmas. I love that. 
I love just trying to, you know, think about preparing them for that season and thinking about waiting on a savior. Um, Lent is coming up. And um, so far, I think our kids growing up haven't been like ready to like really think about giving something up for Lent. I've talked to them about it before. None of them have ever really bought in. Kind of like that time I tried to get them to <laughs> fast with us. I, I love stuff like that. The Christian calendar is, again, just like we've been talking about, God keeps us a reminded people, right? Even with the Sabbath, you know, where he says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Like this is something that's once a week. And he's saying, remember it, remember it, remember it. And um, yeah. and then I'm reminded every time that for whatever reason, I don't feel like going to church or I don't feel like going to home group. And then I go and it's either a, a kick in the pants and that I needed or a really, really sweet reminder to recenter my heart on the goodness of God. He's so good to say, just don't forget to do this. Don't give up the habit of meeting. Don't don't forget. Yeah. Keep keep doing the things that I'm telling you to do. They're for your good. Because he knows us. He knows that like, I will really think to myself, do I really need to go do this thing today? And the answer is yes, you do. And so these reminders are so important to help us stay faithful, right? God's all God's always faithful. Um, we just need to be reminded that he's faithful and and we need to stay yep. faithful for our own good and, yeah. and for his glory. And um, and so these physical reminders in the lives of our children, in the lives of our family are really, really helpful to keep us from straying. Yeah, Cassie, you're our expert on how churches do these things because you do this for a living, not only as a mom, but as a, as a professional. I know you think about helping families lead milestones. For the church worker out there who's listening or for the mom who wants to help their church or dad who wants to help their church, how can churches help think about making and marking milestones for families? Yeah, well, I mean, I think we've kind of talked about some of those with the parent commissioning, which we talk about in the baptism episode that we did in season one, but that's just a class where when a family welcomes their first child and they do a class that kind of inducts them into our next generation ministry. That's like, okay, here's what we're about when we think about families. Here's what God has charged you with in Deuteronomy and throughout scriptures as parents. And we want to, as a church, equip you to make disciples. And then we talk about the the family discipleship framework in that class. And then that leads to, you know, our baby announcements. And on a Sunday, they get, they are commissioned by our elders where we get the whole church gets to see a picture of their family and they, you know, go up front and we pray for them. And there's also a resource for baby dedication that uh, we use where we kind of encourage our, our people to do that in a more intimate setting with their like home groups or with their family. We did that on their first birthday of each of our daughter's first birthday. We did um, their baby dedications, which is just us really like telling our people and it's a milestone that we look back and like we, we entrusted you to the Lord. Like we, we were reminded that you're a gift from him and that you belong to him and that we were just stewards of your, of your childhood and your life. And so that's baby dedication. I think that uh, we, oh, we do family discipleship retreat, which is a really, I think it's one of the best milestones that our church actually like facilitates. Uh, and that's every fall we kind of pull away. Uh, we take as many of our families as we can find a camp that will allow and so this fall, we're hoping to be able to take like 40, 45 families and we will get away for the weekend. And we actually focus on one of those buckets and we kind of like narrow our focus. This year will be moments. And so the speaker that we bring in, will talk about moments. We'll give them a workshop to think about and prepare and consider moments. But we've done one for milestones. We've done one for time. And next year we'll do modeling. And so we kind of work through that and our volunteers come to it. It's such a great opportunity for families to interact and that. And then the whole family, again, is involved in that. So, I mean, you can also make space for um, doing this, uh, doing like a milestones workshop if you don't have an ability to do, a, you know, a retreat or anything like that. But you can you can do like workshops with your parents and help them think. Really, parents just need time set aside 
to dream about what this could look like for their home. Right. And it's it's hard to do that after bedtime. We're tired. It's hard to do that. Like you might need to find a sitter. I mean, you can do that. You can do that, you know, on a road trip. You can do that on a date night or an at-home date night after bedtime. But it's really nice when a church carves out some time for parents to do that. And they'll watch your kids and they'll give you even like a, you know, a framework or like a worksheet to kind of think about that. And you can do that in community now. You're talking with other parents and you're gleaning ideas from them. Totally. Um, so those are some ideas. Camp is another one. Like, you know, if your students go to camp and yeah. that's a good milestone. I think milestones would, uh, would be a good important reminder is there are a lot of things that'll happen happen to and around your kids. And milestones is, again, it's being more intentional about what the Lord's putting in front of you, thinking about how can I point out how God's at work in this. And some of them take a lot of preparation. Some of them you just got to be ready for. It's kind of like a more significant version of family discipleship time or moments. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, churches can help with that. I hear a lot from people that will buy the book from Crossway that Chandler and I wrote about family discipleship, where we help people plan out milestones and they'll read that book with a group of friends or read it as a couple that's kind of way it's designed or read it with a mentor. And again, this is not like a, a side hustle plug. I don't make any money off of book sales. I We put the time into the book so that you can get the book and you can benefit as a family. But this is not me trying to like, you know, hustle you. But I've there's some things in my life, Cassie, that I've been doing since before I was married that I feel like now I get to do for my kids that Mm. when it comes to discipleship and when it comes to milestones, like I have uh, journal Bibles that I journal through for our boys. And I don't know when I'm going to give them one day, but I'll give them to them. I have things that I was given when I was a kid. My grandpa gave me an arrowhead and I'm sure one day I'll give that to my kids and tell them about our family history. My, I have a small pocket knife collection, but Chelsea's father, who's no longer with us, he had a big pocket knife collection. I look forward to saying this is something that people, People in the Brown family did. uh, Your papa, who was a sweet, godly man, this is what he did. And inviting them into that through an heirloom. Or I have uh, a small obsession with really nice bags and really nice pens. And my kids see these things. These are dad's pens. And I look forward to the one day, one day where I don't just maybe give them one of mine, but give them their own. I know Chandler Mm -hmm. talks about giving his son his first hammer when he turned 13 and saying, this isn't your grandpa's hammer. This isn't your dad's hammer. This is yours because your manhood journey is yours. And you think about what kind of heirlooms you'll give them, but also what kind of gifts you'll give them. And I think milestones are associated often with first. What is their first Bible or their Mm -hmm. first um, job or their first relationship? Thinking about as parents, how can we navigate their firsts in ways that honor the Lord? And I know there's a lot more ideas. We have a ton more. We'll put some resources in the show notes. But milestones is one of those things you can be planning now long-term, but if you do not plan, they will not happen. It's kind of like a family vacation. If you don't sit down and mark it off on your calendar and say, this is where we're going to go, they don't just spontaneously come up and go, okay, well, we're going to be at Disney this week. It it does not happen. But there are really sweet things that come from a family sitting down and planning out how they're going to point to the faithfulness of God. Sometimes God's going to do it. You're not going to know when, like saving your child. And sometimes you know exactly when your kid's going to turn 16 and what you're going to do there. So uh, I'd encourage any family, get more intentional and, mm-hmm. and plan well. And then tune in next week when John Tyson's on to talk about more about rites of passage and about how his intentionality as a father really played into the way he raised his kids. And you're going to love that episode. Well, thanks for listening, friends. If you think it's as important as we do to disciple our families, please give us a great review wherever you listen to podcasts and share this episode with one of your friends, please. If you want to keep up with us or join the conversation, you can follow the Family Discipleship Podcast on social media. We love you listeners, and we'll be back next week with more great stuff. We'll see you then.